uh, strand for today, just before the keynote. And uh, these papers here are quite nicely um, arranged to cohere around the idea of propaganda through graphic visuals, posters, etc. And they all, uh, all posters and papers address a particular part of the African continent, Southern Africa. Um, we have three papers. One that addresses, um, Deirdre Pretorius is going to address um, propaganda posters um, in South Africa during the Second World War. This topic is still correct. Yes, um, Steffi Duarte, who's uh, dealing with um, anti-apartheid posters um, outside of South Africa, and uh, Helena Barbosa, who's addressing um, posters in the context of the independence war in Angola. So they cohere very nicely together. So I'd like to ask Deirdre Pretorius um, to kick us off. Deirdre Pretorius is from the University um, of Johannesburg in South Africa, and she has a slightly different, a completely different <laughs> um, title, which is to be expected as papers develop. Um, the printing machine is mightier than the machine gun. Over to you. Good afternoon, thank you very much. Um, I think I can say with some authority that I'm now the world authority on a very niche area <laughs> of South African posters. Um, and I'd just like to ask, has anyone ever seen a South African poster from the Second World War? Well done, and there, so that's, that's pretty good. Mostly uh, South African posters aren't that visible. The posters from uh, uh, Britain, from the, the other uh, participating countries um, are far uh, better researched. Um, so, so when I started this research, I kept my topic very broad and open to ensure that I have some movement. And what happened is uh, in the National Defence Force archives, I came across quite a treasure trove of posters which were actually not created in South Africa, but outside of South Africa, and it was created by uh, South African uh, uh, troops. And therefore, I have narrowed my topic down to basically uh, the last six, uh, the first six months in uh, 1945, and I'm focusing on the wor work uh, created by what was known as the Mobile Visual Instruction and Propaganda Section of the South African Union Defence Force. Um, in March 1945, Sergeant Major Eurster and Sergeant Berry designed the poster, VD, What's Mine is Yours. At the time, both men were stationed with the number one mobile visual instruction and propaganda section in Rome as volunteer members of the South African Union Defense Force, or UDF. South Africa had entered the Second World War on the side of the Allies shortly after it broke out. The UDF took part in the Italian campaign from April 1944 until the German forces surrendered early in May 1945. Over 700 South Afri Africans were killed in battle in Italy, but there were thousands more casualties. One of the prime contributors to casualties was disease. For example, in 1944, there were six hospital admissions due to disease for each battle casualty. The VD What's Mine is Your poster aimed to combat the rise in venereal disease among South African troops. The production of VD posters was considered to be vitally important by Lieutenant VJ Clapham, the head of the VI section. As one, uh, in one formation, the VD casualties rose from six to 60 in one week after VE Day. The Visual Instruction Unit. 
The mobile visual instruction section originated in the visual instruction unit established in Pretoria, South Africa, with the main aim of assisting with army education. Clapham headed up VI in South Africa, and by 1944, it consisted of close to 40 staff made up entirely of commercial artists. Clapham was extremely popular and ensured that staff did their fair share while assigning work suited to each man's individual style. VI resorted under the Directorate of Army Printing and Stationary Services. Uh, which was created in October 1939. One of the directorate's first tasks was to plan a mobile plant to undertake printing of operational maps, forms, and supplies in the field. To this end, 10 large, specially constructed trucks required to house machinery and stores were procured. And the unit was ready to take to the field when the first South Africans moved into East Africa. From its inception and into 1945, the UDF Printing and Stationery Services travelled from South Africa, first to Kenya and then to Abyssinia, today known as Ethiopia, followed by Somaliland, Egypt, the Western Desert, Algeria, Tripoli and finally Italy. In January 1945, the unit was transferred from Mardi in Egypt to Rome. Clapham arrived from Pretoria on the 2nd to head up the section, and his personnel, Warrant Officer Eustace, Sergeant Berry, Corporal Gross, and Private Turpin arrived on the 6th. Lieutenant VJ Clapham, or Vic as he was known, has been described as a man of considerable force of personality as well as artistic ability. Before the war, Clapham worked in South Africa in the newspaper and advertising industry as a cartoonist and a copywriter. He returned to advertising after the war and freelanced as a cartoonist. The cartoons which he created during the war were appreciated for their vigor and humor. Sergeant A.J. or Abe Berry worked under Clapham in Pretoria, where he was responsible for creating caricatures. Clapham and Berry were both self-taught, and their cartoons started appearing in South African newspapers during the second half of the 1930s. Berry was a liberal, and Clapham a leftist. Before the war, both contributed cartoons to political newspapers. Clapham from 1938 to uh, 39 to the radical newspaper The Guardian, and Berry during 1936 to a paper which supported the Labour Party. Berry has been described as one of South Africa's ablest cartoonists, and after the war he acquired an international reputation, with his work being published in Punch, The Times of London, and The Washington Post, and he won many international awards. In addition to Clapham and Berry, the core team of designers during 1945 were Gross, Uester, and Cole, who joined in February. The silkscreen printing of the posters was done by Private Turpin, and an Italian civilian Ricardo, I'm quoting, whose work was described as very satisfactory. However, in April, Private Turpin was transferred, despite his work always being satisfactory, because his behavior of duty was not conducive to good relations between the men in this and other sections. Unfortunately, we don't know what caused that. By far the most prolific poster designer was Eustin, who alone, or teamed up with Clapham and Orberry, produced roughs for close to 70 posters and created finished art and stencils for most of these. Next was Clapham, followed by both Gross and Berry, and the least productive was Cole. Unfortunately, I've not been able to find out more about Eustace 
apart from his uh, work with visual instruction in 1945. On arriving in Rome in January, the team started with the planning of what they called propaganda schemes, designs, and publicity material. Moving in and setting up the studio took up some time, but the unit managed to produce 200 royal-sized silkscreen posters, a number of illustrations, caricatures, and other printed material, as well as 30 rough-color visuals for posters and instruction charts dealing with typhus, typhoid, VD, malaria, conservation of petrol, conservation of transport, blood donors, and UDF prestige. The production sheets from February 1945 to July 1945 show that over a hundred poster designs were created. While salt screen posters were the primary work of the unit, other material was also produced, including illustrations, cartoons and caricatures, maps, charts, designs and layout for publication, decorative freezers to pet hospital wards, signage and notices, and even scripts for radio spots. The lowest poster print run was 50 and the highest 500, but in general print runs were between 200 to 350 posters. Most of the posters were printed on royal size paper, which was 20 by 25 inches or 508 by 635 millimeters, as this size corresponded to the size of the silk screens used for printing. In April, half the size was introduced and it was increasingly used from May after it was found that the royal size posters were too large for effective display in the field. With regards to propaganda schemes, the mobile visual instruction section was controlled and coordinated by a publicity and propaganda committee, which was established in December 1945. At a committee meeting held on 6 February 1945, programs were formulated for a series of UDF publicity schemes the health aspect being assigned priority. Throughout March, the calls for poster campaigns to combat malaria, typhus, typhoid, to conserve transport and maintain morale remained insistent. And instead of decreasing with the end of the war approaching, demands on visual instruction increased with posters required for uh, army educational services orientation campaigns, anti-disease morale, demobilization and other schemes. By April, uh, the unit was continuing at full pressure on a series of health posters and radio features with emphasis on malaria, typhus, and welfare. Over half of the posters created dealt with health. Of these, the majority warned against contracting VD, followed by posters on malaria and typhoid, and the remainder addressed issues such as general health, swatting flies, alcohol abuse, and the safe consumption of food. The VD posters employed a number of strategies to appeal to soldiers, including the factual straight talk posters, which provided information typically presented only in typographic form. A typographic poster created in May 1945 declares the extent of venereal disease among soldiers by stating that there were 27,000 VD cases in this theater in 1944. The posters show many of the characteristics of the sections poster style, including the use of split ink technique to create a gradient, limited color use, mixing of display and script fonts in contrasting style and scale, diagonally placed text, and ornamentation in the form of lines, dots, and stars. The smaller type in black was almost certainly overprinted by way of letterpress once the basic posters had been silkscreened. Typesetting was not frequently required, but when needed, 
the number one letterpress section was drawn on to assist with typesetting and printing. A series of posters which include blind and crippled appeared in June and used the same splitting technique, contrasting typography and display the campaign logo consisting of the words avoid sickness set around a red cross which appeared on all of the health posters printed by the section. However, by including a silhouette of a man in a wheelchair and one walking with a cane, these posters follow a more fear-based and hard-hitting approach by showing the undesirable effects of VD. The men are framed as victims of VD and the exhortation, you can't be too careful, accompanied the image. Posters with cautionary emotive appeals often incorporated images of women as seen in a poster which warns in Afrikaans, pasok vir die bints, beware of the bints. Bint is a derogatory way of referring to a woman which was commonly used by British soldiers during the world wars. The Bint poster incorporates a popular female stereotype from the Second World War VD posters, the svelte seductress waiting under a streetlight for a victim. The appearance of the stereotype indicates that the designers of the VI section found inspiration in the war posters from other nations. Not only were members of the UDF exposed to posters from other Allied forces stationed in Italy, but the liaison between British printing and stationary services and uh, UDF printing and stationary services in Rome was described as most cordial and mutually reciprocal. The unit elicited interest from the British side and it was reported that the British DPSS intimated a keen interest in the VI section, its functions and composition and expressed the wish that its representative be allowed to visit the section when in Rome and if possible to be instructed in the operation of the silkscreen process as it is felt that the British can use this process to advantage. The official UDF magazine, Nonquai, reprinted British graphics and posters, for example, the famous Let's Go Forward Together poster of Churchill. The designers of the VI section also found inspiration in American popular graphics and were not averse to outright copying. For example, posters created by the unit in South Africa copied the Disney characters Donald Duck and Jiminy Cricket, and a report on the work of the unit noted that one man was absorbed in a copy of Walt Disney's Fantasia. A poster printed in June, uh, She Wants You Back As You Were, warns soldiers to stay away from brothels and pickup girls and employs an image of a couple kissing which recalls posters for Hollywood blockbusters from the late 30s and early 40s, such as Gone with the Wind and Casablanca. Women as carriers of disease are not confined to VD posters and posters warning against malaria present mosquitoes in female form as seen in the rather disturbing poster showing a long-limbed mosquito attempting a seductive wink with something up her sleeve and the character named Madame Anopheles which in a play on Madame Butterfly is dressed up in a kimono and fan. In addition to anthropomorphizing mosquitoes, the malaria posters compare mosquitoes to dive bombers and vampires. The brush lettering by Euster on malaria, the enemy that never capitulates, recalls horror movie lettering and exemplifies a tendency to cut loose with a brush by the poster designers, which they promise to discipline after several suggestions that the lettering of the posters 
can be more formal. This tendency to indulge in the use of various typographic effects, such as gradients, perspective, and three-dimensionality, is particularly evident in a typhus poster from, from February, in which the grim reaper appears surrounded by gravestones. The macabre continues in Eustace's poster for typhus, which declares, typhus, friend of the enemy, beware where you sleep, and shows death strolling arm in arm with a Nazi soldier. Gross's lettering rivaled that of Euster, and his eat only food, fruit, and vegetables supplied by the army employs no less than eight different fonts spiced up with special effects such as gradients, patterns, and three-dimensionality. In addition to health posters, posters were also created which can be broadly categorized into educational, information, morale-boosting, and transport posters. Educational posters provided information on economic and social issues in the Union of South Africa, promoted citizenship, and opposed fascism and racial hatred. These were sometimes referred to as civics posters. Morale-boosting uh, posters primarily promoted performances by artists and UDF entertainment troops in, exuberant, in an exuberant style. Information posters provided soldiers with information, warned against pickpockets, and promoted sporting events, radio programs, and publications. And transport posters urged drivers to drive safely. Clapham explained the audience for the posters, for the VD posters, as thousands of men with widely differing outlooks and, on life, and acknowledged that it was not possible to reach all the men all of the time, opting instead to plug one type of appeal at a time and follow it up rapidly with a different approach. It was reported that the posters were, and I'm quoting, of interest to non-European personnel, and that a few of the women have taken exception to the VD posters. The women's complaints were however dismissed and viewed as proof that the posters were effective as they were actually being spoken about. The unit was eager for feedback on their posters and this was acquired through a monthly questionnaire which was distributed with the posters. The response rates were highly satisfactory and show consistent interest by all ranks. Officers, officers and troops ex expressed appreciation for the posters their design and the purpose they served and considered them popular and instructive. Others, however, leveled criticism at the design of the posters, stating that it is poor, could be a lot slicker, contained too much detail and writing, and that the posters compare very unfavorably with posters issued by other Allied forces. One respondent instructed the section to not use green with warning and danger posters. It's bad psychology, stick to red, purples and blues. Clapham described feedback received as constructive criticism and helpful. He implemented suggestions and offered a reasoned response to criticisms. He considered the point on color well made, confirming that while they were aware of the psychological importance of color, the colors used arose due to a shortage of printing inks. With regard to the quality of the design, he explained that the material is produced by a small mobile section working with simple silkscreen printing equipment under tight, uh, uh, under tight time constraints. 
whereas posters used by our allies are almost all designed and printed under ideal conditions in England and America. He considered the advantage of producing on the spot and promptly being able to respond to demands for printed material as outweighing the loss in design and print quality. The VI section operated under very challenging conditions, which included flooding of their camp, shortages of staff and material, and disease. Although Clapham complained that he felt that the vital importance of their work was not fully realized in the Union, there was much appreciation for their work in the field. This is evident from the feedback received via the questionnaire, repeated requests for posters and reports which described their work as highly satisfactory, as contributing to the overwhelming defeat of the enemy, and as doing exceptionally valuable work in the design and production of publicity and propaganda material for our forces. In July, the last posters were distributed, and equipment and materials created for shipping back to South Africa. In his last report, written on 23 July, Clapham paid tribute to the small VI staff, commenting that discipline has been excellent and attention to duty, everything to be desired. A number of years earlier, in November 1942, an article had appeared in Enquire on the Directorate of Army Printing and Stationary Services, whose opening line was, the printing machine is mightier than the machine gun, in which the author considered it to be a logical conclusion that the men who operate these printing presses must be playing an important part in the war effort. How important that part was, we will probably never be able to measure. However, we can agree with a comment from the War Diary for May, for May 1945 that the activities of the Union Defence Force Printing and Stationary Services will form one of the most interesting sidelights of the UDF contribution to victory, despite the lack of publicity accorded the unit. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Thanks. <laughs>